The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle Hyman, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who always has a Supremo with him, Josh Borboni. How are you this evening? Ooh, I almost was like, what's a Supremo? But now I remember what it is. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh... Had a nice day today. I will say this though: something did, something weird did happen to me. Uh oh! During the weird, week. good or weird, bad? Um, weird and different. Okay, okay. I, I, I am listening. So we had to hear more. We had tickets to see Newfound Glory on Wednesday. This coming or no, the past? past Wednesday? Um, for my wife got it for me for our anniversary. Our anniversary was Tuesday. Tuesday. Happy belated ap- anniversary. Oh, thanks. Thank you. I wasn't fishing for that, but I'll take it. Uh, cool. And then, uh, so we went away. We went back to the hotel. We stayed with that. We get married at for the first time since we get married there uh, and stayed the night. And I had Monday and Tuesday off. So we had the concert on Wednesday. And I, I don't know what happened, but all day Wednesday, I couldn't shake this feeling that I didn't want to go. Now, this isn't a Final Destination thing. I'm not going to tell you that, like, <laughs> there was a shooting at the concert. Um, but I couldn't shake it. And uh, I was, like, a big ball of stress. Uh, my day was, like, horrible. And I was just, like, texting my wife. And I'm like, I don't think that I want to go. And we paid a lot of money for those tickets. And right. I just kept trying to, like, rationalize, like, just go, Josh. Just do it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to have fun if I go. At least I don't think so in the mindset I'm in. Um, so we didn't go. Uh, and we had we had a babysitter for the night. And and um, so we went out for dinner instead. But um, I don't know what it was. And I'm trying to figure out. I can say confidently I haven't been anywhere since covid confined indoors somewhere with that many people and that may be um my concern but i don't know i'm vaccinated so i'm not super worried about that stuff anymore but i also know that i'm not invincible just because i'm vaccinated and i can't and i can still spread it around so maybe that's what it was i don't really know what it was that's never happened to me before in my life um which is probably why i reacted so strongly to it (laughs) because <laughs> I didn't know how to react. Uh, right. But yeah, so we, we missed out on the show uh, because I just couldn't go. <laughs> I don't okay. know. It was bizarre. Okay. Um, but other than that, the week has been pretty good. <laughs> so I, I was trying to think of really like funny ways to try to um, 
incorporate their song titles into it. And I was mm. like, I, I was trying to think of a, you know, that you picked. I was trying to like work like my friends over you or all downhill <laughs> from here or something. <laughs> um, or I was like, you know, so it's hit or miss of whether you're going to go to the yeah, concert yeah, or yeah, not. Hit you or know, miss. Like... That's a good one. <laughs> no, but... I mean, I've always wanted to see them live. I've never seen them live. Um, this was the big show that I was excited to go see them for. And, and then now I'm like, well, I guess I'll never see them live. <laughs> Because <laughs> is, is it them and Simple Plan? Is that who's on tour together? Yeah, and there was like two other like um, pop punk bands that opened for him that I hadn't heard of before. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, New Fung. I never saw New Fung Glory. They were one that I did not see ever. Um, yeah. I, I have seen a, a significant number of the bands from that genre. Oh, yeah, me too, um, for sure. But they were just one that I always missed out on, so... Well, Josh, it's okay. You know, you made the decision that felt right and best for you, and that's the important thing. And, you know, I would say there will be future dates. Who knows if there will be, but, yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe there will be. Uh, it, th- their Twitter seemed to in- in- incorporate that uh, they had a good time. I don't know. Well, that's good. Well, we do have Evanescence and Hailstorm in December, so hopefully um, I can figure out what's going on in my brain before then. Otherwise, my wife was like, I'm still going. I'll just go with my mom or for someone instead. <laughs> I was like, that makes sense. I wouldn't tell you not to go see Evanescence. Right. That would be not good of me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I do really want to go back to go, get back to going to concerts, but I don't know what I'm going to do that either. I've yeah. thought about it, but you're right. I think I would have a hard time going into um, a, a small place and just hanging out with people I don't know for hours upon hours upon hours every mask mandate here so everyone would have to be wearing masks they didn't start proof of vaccination until next week for that venue so oh, okay. it would just be people with masks and i was like well how long are those people really going to keep those masks on i was gonna say in the pictures i saw it didn't look like yeah. too many people were the drummer was wearing a mask though so oh, that's, that's good, good. <laughs> yeah but it didn't look like too many people in the crowd were wearing their masks yeah so yeah so, I mean, it is what it is, but uh, I thought I would share that in case anyone else is experiencing weird bouts of anxiety. Uh, I'm sure I can't be alone, but if I am, well, then I am. <laughs> no, I don't think you're, I definitely don't think you're alone. It is, we um, had to run some errands today, so we went and ate at a restaurant, yeah. for, which we haven't done much at all, um, but we even sat outside and it was super bizarre. It was just very, very weird to go do that because we've eaten out and stuff recently, but we almost always have gotten our food to go. Yeah. Um, yep. It's either to pick up or delivery or something like we haven't actually eaten at a restaurant in, in quite some time, um, which Josh brings me to a question for you. Yes. So this restaurant we went to, this is the first time I had ever been to it. Um, my partner had been to it numerous times uh, and it's a, it was a um, barbecue place. It was a smokehouse. So here's my question, Josh. You are a fan of smoked meats, correct? Uh Uh-huh. When you go to a barbecue joint for the first time, and if you are just wanting to see, hey, I've never been to this place. I want to even see if their barbecue is good. Yeah. What do you get? (laughs) Do you get the same thing the first time every time you go somewhere? So you can kind of be like, this is like my my staple checker, if you would, to see if it's good? No. I'm. There's like a wide variety of... Um, smokehouses or or barbecue places around here, and some of them are more chainy than others, and some of them mm-hmm. are very hole in the wall, super tiny. Um, so I kind of feel like it's impossible 
for me to pick the same thing. I think what I what I like to do is if I can find some a special or something that they are known for, that's what I'll go for. Mm. Um, if not, I think like for me, like a pulled pork is pretty easy to to, to figure out if they use a good sauce mm-hmm. and how well the chicken's cooked and. Um, and sometimes like some places will offer different barbecue sauces for right. the pulled pork. So, um, um, so I think that's probably, if I had to pick like a default, that's what I would go with. See, I always default to the pulled pork as well. I always get a pulled pork sandwich, like as my default when the first time I go to a place, unless it's a super, super like barbecue place where they don't have that stuff. Right. Where it's like, you're going to get brisket you know, you get your, or like, nothing at all. <laughs> it's basically like, you know, you get your you know pick your two meats and then you get your sides but there's no like menu per se right it's just like picking the meats that you want yeah uh and the sides that you want but there's no like way to combine them any other ways than that uh and because i think it, like you said it's just a really good pulled pork is something that i know i can make at home well right so yes. if i go and it's like not as good as mine i am suddenly worried right All right and the place we went it was great it was very good but what I found most interesting is that I was like, this is solid pulled pork. It's it's pretty solid. But the sides were incredible. I was like, I actually like these sides better than I like this pulled pork. Like in ratio or like in comparison to other places I've been. I've yeah. been to other places where like, oh, I think the meat's been better. But these, their sides were on point. And then I was like, oh, man. Like, I don't know if I want to like be like, you really need to go to this barbecue place because they have incredible sides. <laughs> well, that's where they that's where they need to shine. They do need to shine on the sides. Um, and I and I know um, some people who like really like can eat barbecue anywhere, but really like focusing on the sides is a big deal because that does differentiate them from any barbecue. Because you're right, if you can make pulled pork, then probably most places can. But if you like, uh, I don't know if you guys do like the street corn out there. Like if you go to a barbecue place that has like a really good street corn um, or incredible baked potatoes or something like that, like mm-hmm. that's the stuff that makes you want to go back. Or like here it's like um, crazy mac and cheese. Like if you can get a really yeah. good mac and cheese with it. Yeah. I went uh, with the just the straight up fries and mac and cheese is what I had today. And there their fries were incredible. They were so good. I was like, oh, man, these fries, like, outshine anything. And then my partner got fish because she's not much of a smoked meat person. Sure. Um, but so she got their, basically their, quote, unquote, fish and chips. Uh, and she couldn't eat it all. So I ate some of the fish, too. And the fish was really good. I was like, man, I actually might come back here and just get that instead. Nice. Like, that's how good the fish and chips was. But um, so anyway, I just wanted to know, like, did you have, like, a set thing? Because she was super surprised that I didn't get, like ribs or burnt ends or something that like once i've been to a place like yeah. I, I i go to those things more often but i was like well no I, you know when you're trying to place out for the first time you got to just see like can they make a decent pulled pork sandwich because if they can i will then come back and try the other things you know yeah so that's funny but, the, the fish thing because the hotel we stayed at where we got married they have a tavern there and for dinner that night um my wife got the ribs and i got a mango habanero salmon which was they were both very good. So it was funny that she had barbecue and I had fish. <laughs> that is funny. That's very funny. Uh okay, Josh. So we do have that was actually not the pre game topic, <laughs> Josh. That was just the regular chat If topic. we can't so find a way the- to stretch out everything we do, I don't know what <laughs> we do good. But let's go to the pre game. Let's let's get this rolling. So Josh, something that's kind of come up, um, I'm not even going to bother talking about the site because they've been a bummer as of late. Uh, but the, <laughs> I wonder who it could be. <laughs> who, who could it be? Uh, but there was an article that was posted by a, a major video game website 
uh, that talked about um, how great the emulation for Metroid Dread was on PC already. Yeah, what a weird yeah. sentence. Right, right. Okay. So, Josh, here's my question for you. Game emulation, when the game is literally like a day or two old, right? Yeah. Is this like champion of the preservationist, like emulate everything? Or is this just not something that we should be talking about at this point? Like, what are your thoughts? And I'm not talking about games that from the 90s we can't play anymore. I think that's right. a totally different conversation. But for a game that literally just came out. Major video game website talking about game emulation. Should we applaud them for you know a game about preservation? A game put out by the most litigious video game company in the world. (laughs) Do you want to play chicken with Nintendo? I don't. Uh, I definitely don't. (laughs) Uh, We talked about game emulation before. It's I. um, I have pretty strong feelings about it until I don't, which means that, like there's this, this weird gray area for me. Yeah. Um, and I think that we kind of meet in that area. Yeah. Uh, game emulation can be important for game preservation for older games. Uh, if you're emulating games the day of the day they come out, you're not doing that to preserve a game. You're doing that to steal money away from somebody else, whether it's Nintendo or the developers of a game or whoever, it doesn't matter. Imagine if it wasn't Metroid Dread and it was like that game I reviewed, The Wine, like a guy that was made by one guy. Imagine mm-hmm. he like puts his game out. He's so excited to see what happens and then he sees his games being emulated and people are just scooping it up on Discord servers for free because they got a like. Sure. Now, Josh... You know, is it game emulation, though, kind of like comedy, where there's certain things you, you can joke about, right? And certain things you, you can't. Is like it like stealing game, like... jokes, though? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a better point. That's a better point. But do you think that because it is Nintendo and it because it is, um, you know, a multi-million dollar company, obviously, that it makes it, quote unquote, more okay to have this conversation? Or does that not, or no. should that not impact no, the conversation? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, you have to look at game emulation. Uh, you have to look at game emulation as a whole. You can't just, uh, I don't think, I can't separate, um, like, I don't want to say the victims, but the people who are, uh, yeah, the victims of, of emulation. Um, I do think once we get to a certain point, it does gray a little bit to where, um, I would feel very uncomfortable playing an em- emulation copy of Metroid Dread right now for free. Let's eat right. um more than I would playing Aladdin for the Genesis on my Genesis Mini. And I know that it's technically the same thing to a degree. And they just re- re-released Aladdin not too long That's ago. That's true. So they, it. May, I tried to pick a bad example. <laughs> Um, Earthworm Jim on my on my Genesis, uh, um, or whatever. Like I, I understand. I still understand that what I'm doing is wrong when I'm modding my console because that's not the intention of that console, and I don't own those games. Which mm-hmm. is another um, def- uh, defense for emulation is you are allowed to own an emulated copy of a game you own, which I get. That makes sense. Um, unless they've changed that, but I know that it used to be that way. Uh, so I do get that as well. 
but it's not like those games are actively being sold and you're taking anyone's money away or taking a profit margin away from somebody for getting RoboCop versus Terminator on my NES Classic. Like, <laughs> no one's losing money on that because it's not being sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I was kind of very surprised to even see that that this was a thing. That and, and in fact, this is probably just me being ignorant. I didn't even know you could do this uh with with like a current game. Uh so that's crazy to me. Yeah, I'm more surprised that they talked about it so publicly. That's the thing that really yeah. uh stuck out to me as I was like, oh goodness gracious, that 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 takes a certain something, you know, to just be like, hey, <laughs> don't read this Nintendo, but emulation for your most recent game is is great. <laughs> You know, like, I don't know. Uh, the one part that always is the, I don't know, the 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 weird thing about emulation to me. And I, I think the answer is because 98% of people would say it's fine. But what right do the people who made the game have to say in all this? Because people talk about it, it's like, well, it's for game preservation, right? Okay, fine cool like I, I do agree especially with older games in trying to ensure the the longevity that those are still accessible and available i don't really have any issues with that but what if i make a game and i say that the whole point of this game is it has to be played within this calendar year right i, I release a game january 1st 2022 and i don't ever want that game to be played after De- december 31st 2022 yeah one year experience that's it and i don't want anyone to emulate it because as the creator as the artist that is my intent what where like where does the idea come from that i as the player should just always have access to your art right no and i and i and i don't i think that that's a good point like i i kickstarted a, a horror um video game that is only a you only able to play it at a certain time of night on a certain day of the week on, that's awesome on that's so per- cool. on purpose you know right um so yeah, I I think I don't you know changing that your question kind of raises that whole what is art kind of conversation. Yeah. Um but I think like if if we're not going to leave it up to Nintendo to preserve their own games, right? Then mm-hmm. there should be a council that does it. Not Right. Tim in his basement who <laughs> didn't want to show up for his McDonald's shift because he doesn't feel like working anymore, which is apparently a new thing in this country. Uh, he just decided he's going to emulate this game that he found the source code on or someone sold him the code for and he emulated it. Like That's not who should be doing the this pres- game preservation. There is, I'm, and I would have to imagine there has to be a game preservation committee that exists. Yeah, uh, I don't know what they Foundation. do, right? I don't know if they actually emulate games or if they just work on collecting them. But they, if we can get at the Game Awards, the three heads of three studios on the stage together, we can certainly find a way to get all those big studios to come together and agree on some type of emulation committee to preserve video game as an art form. And you're right. right. If you make a game that you only want people to play uh, in January 2022, then that is your decision. You don't make a profit after that, but that's your choice. 
you shouldn't be forced to see a bad, never mind an emulation, a terrible emulation of your game. Right. Sometimes that happens. Um, that's not what you want to see. That's like uh, with the NFL, like driving by someone who works for the NFL, they drive by someone's house who's projecting a Monday night football game on the side of their house. Like, sorry, but you don't have the rights to do that. You can't do that. And that's just the way it is, right. whether you agree with it right. or not. Like, that's the law. Well, and like I said, the Video Game History Foundation is a thing that exists. Yeah. And, you know, that is a, a, a group that is working to, you know, preserve and not just games. because They are working at source code preservation and all that other stuff. But like all video game magazines that have ever been released, like a whole like media assets, like they really are trying to create an archive of all of video game history from all aspects of it. Um, and they are even working with like game informer who has their vault and basically owns um in that vault has a copy of basically every game that's been released in the 30 years that game informer has been around you know so they they are doing this work and this work is being done now obviously that doesn't mean they're gonna be able to do everything you know they're they're probably going to miss some things yeah um but you're right i i do think that we do have folks um in the industry who are actively working on this it would be nice if they did get support like you said from Nintendo and Xbox and Sony and the other big publishers, you know, to help kind of do this. And I think they are working with them to a degree, but you're right. <laughs> you know, I, I I think, and this is always like my bias. I think most people who are like preservation, just do it to feel better about the fact that they have a whole bunch of ROMs, you know, like that's right. really like what they're, you know, so, and like I said, in general, I, for the most part, I don't have a huge issue with emulation because I do think that especially when it's games that you just can't buy anymore yeah. i really don't think it's a huge deal but you know yeah when but, it's a game yeah. that came we're not out two talking about ago. power stone 2 that costs 150 dollars used if you want to buy it we're talking about right a brand new game that just came out right right anyway so listeners if you have strong thoughts on emulation let us know we'd love to have you see have you be part of the conversation as well but with that we'll move on to the regular part of the show so thanks so much for joining us this week everyone as always if you have any feedback questions or suggested topics hit us up at board with vg on twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the instagram also board with vg we are a proud part of place and video games and psvg is on patreon we're absolutely thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us at patreon.com slash PSVG, just like Edwin Kahlo, AJ Pentecost, Chris M., Devin Tyus, Joe Wilson, Josh Borboni, Nick Creature, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calicote, RJ Kern, Stephen Keller, Zach Adams, and of course, Horse Girl 69 But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So with that, we're going to transition, start talking a little bit about what we've been playing. I have a feeling, I could be wrong, uh, that some of these conversations about games we've been playing this week might go a little longer than usual. Maybe. Um uh, so we'll see how many other topics we get through this week, but we, I definitely want to make sure that we don't shortchange this what you play in section. So Josh, yeah, what you what you been up to? What you been playing? Oh, honestly, not that much, all things considered. Um, in fact, I have wanted to put more time into one of these than I have been able to. Uh, let's start with the Battlefield 2042 beta. I'm very interested to hear about this. 
So, in fact, uh, before I started playing it, I was watching a lot of um, gameplay from it, like people playing the beta before I jumped in. Uh, and it was just a different experience for me than what I was watching. And I think because it was a solitary attempt from me, um, it's very pretty, um, but I wouldn't say it's any prettier than the last Battlefield. So I didn't really feel like I was playing a next-gen shooter, I guess. Like, I mean, proper. It's, coming... it's on both It's on both gens. So yeah, I, so I, I guess see it's that. kind of not a yeah. next-gen shooter, I guess, you know. Yeah, I guess in, in my mindset, I'm just thinking, and I know we're not there yet because everyone doesn't have these consoles, but I just feel like we should be getting full-fledged next-gen shooters, which we're not, which is fine. Um, but it looked really good, runs really well. Uh, I just, uh, the beta only has one map. Uh, it's a very cool map. And they're doing a lot of new things, which I really appreciate with the storm and the interactive uh, maps where like the shuttle launches and sometimes it doesn't always launch. Sometimes it blows up um, and creates a shockwave and it's really cool. Uh, <laughs> but the map is very empty for me. At least my experience, and I and I chatted in Discord a little bit about it, and people were just like, "Well, yeah, you need to get to like the control points." And I'm like, "Yeah, I get that, but when I'm spawning on a spot and there's no vehicles around, and I spawned, and all of a sudden, uh, like we control all the territories, I'm just like huffing it on foot to try to get across a giant map. Well, um, if John, I don't have understand. enough to like drop a car, you know what? You understand what the problem with that was, though, right? No. So you just should never have died. Oh, that's. I mean, what if I just started there? Oh well, you know, <laughs> then you gotta go where the fight is. But I'm just saying, just if you never die, that's not a problem. That's true. If you never die, you don't have to worry about that. I, I probably, I do agree with you. On that. <laughs> um, so I don't want to give like my thoughts fully on it. I want to play this with a group of people, whether it's two, three, or four people, um, that I know. That probably will never happen, but. Um, I would want to play it with more people to have a better grasp. I, I don't, this is not something I would be planning on buying right now. I'll say that just based off of what I played. Um, they even removed a lot of like what I remember in battle, the last battlefield where like the destructible buildings, it's not the case anymore. They're like, some buildings are destructible now, not all of them. So, like, if you're in a tank and you think you can drive through a house, you might just hit the wall and it stops you. And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> That's not how Battlefield works. That's how Call of Duty um, works. <laughs> so, real quick then, uh, how big was this map? It sounds like it was big, big. I, You know, I don't know how big it was. It had, like, one. It probably had, like, eight sections with three control uh, points. Um, I'm guessing eight. I think I'm trying to visualize it. Uh, it's a pretty big map, like, uh, but that's you know it's standard battlefield map, right? I think it's made for twenty five v twenty five. I was gonna that was gonna be my next question. I was like, so you just did big team battle for Halo, yeah? So is this big big team battle then? <laughs> yeah, it's big big team battle for sure. Um, but Halo does a good job at like making you feel more confined, like sur by surrounding you with things. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you in Battlefield, you're just out there and you're like, look to your left and look to your right. It's like 
you're in a desert, but you're not in a desert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like sometimes it can feel like just very open and you're like very vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but that, uh, that was the, I, yeah. I was going to say that was just the one big th- thing I noticed the difference between battlefield big maps and like call of duty big maps is that when call of duty started trying to incorporate their kind of big, like large scale uh, multiplayer maps, it was just like you would spawn in and just die instantly sometimes because everything was so concentrated whereas when i played battlefield i like spawn in i'm like wait which direction do i even know to go like i don't even know where the fighting's happening sometimes because just the maps are so big a battlefield map is like an apex legends map like sometimes you can just go for 30 minutes without seeing anybody (laughs) um but i mean i had fun for a beta i had fun for a beta but it you know it didn't do what they wanted to do, which was sell me on the game. Gotcha. So uh, that was going to be my question. So it was good, but not good enough to get you to pick up the game. No, not good enough yet. I mean, if they do another beta runs with different modes, I'll try that too. But it wasn't enough to sell me on it. So what, based off the experience you had, what price point would you be open to purchasing Ooh. Battlefield 2042 at? Well, knowing it's only multiplayer, I mean, 40 bucks would probably be what I would want. What I, currently, what I would be comfortable buying it at. Gotcha. Okay. Which, I mean, that's not going to happen, but I would buy it at 40. <laughs> uh, maybe Black Friday. It comes out so close to Black Friday, though. Um, yeah, if it's, if it's marked down for Black Friday, I think there's other problems, potentially. Which, hey, it might be. Well, I was looking at surprise me if it was. NHL 22 comes out this week, and it's it's it has the $10 next-gen bump on it, so it's $70. Uh-huh. Um, but Madden's already down 20 bucks. Yeah. Uh, per copy, and we're not even in the play. We just football just started, so I'm like, oh, I guess I'll wait for NHL for Black Friday. <laughs> uh, are you a big NHL fan? I like, I know you like playing the NHL games, but do you watch like NHL hockey? So once we get rid of cable, um, I kind of fell off of all sports because no local mm-hmm. sports like were accessible to me. But before that, yeah, right. I was a big Red Sox and Bruins. Um, and I mean, I still find a way to watch Patriots games because it's easier. Um, but watching like baseball and hockey was a big thing when I was, well, single or slash bachelor and I'm able to sit at a bar until 11 o'clock at night and not worry about it, um, or have people over and watch a hockey game, but it's not really like that anymore. (laughs) Uh, I will say, uh, with, uh, the Seattle Kraken, um, starting in the NHL this season, I do think of all professional sports, that might be the best like mascot slash name. A Kraken is a pretty great one. I mean, that Las Vegas yeah. Golden Knights isn't terrible either. It isn't. That's actually who they play in their home in their opener is they play the Golden Knights. Nice. So yeah, but anyway, I don't know why Seattle Kraken. I was just like, you know, I feel like this, that's like a really good name. Anyway, neither here nor there. I agree. I agree. Ah, uh, yes. It's yeah. It's a uh, well. I don't want to start trash talking hockey teams, so I won't do that. Um. <laughs> the Winnipeg first thing that popped into my head right away. Uh, I played. I want to jump to a board game. I played. Uh, we played Calico on my anniversary. <laughs> which sounds weird to say. Um, we played Calico at the hotel. Uh, this is a game by Flat Out Games, Breaking Games. Um, I should know that. Where did I put my copy of the game? It must be still in my bag. That's how little unpacking I've done in a week. Um. Flat Out Games and Breaking Games. Uh, yeah, published by Flat Out. Uh, designers Kevin Russ, obviously Beth Sobel, you know, yeah. doing her art thing. Uh, and it has the, you know, 
the typical when you look at the publishers, there's 13 of them listed, yeah. but flat out's the, the first one. So yeah, you know. I also have Cascadia from them too, which we haven't played Cascadia yet. Uh, but yeah, basically backed based on the art alone. Uh, and uh, Calico is a tile drafting game where you're trying to uh, complete goals and match patterns on this quilt that you're building, which attracts um, cats. <laughs> and you score points based on um, if you complete the goals you're supposed to while you play. And if you complete the patterns, so you have three cats when you start the game. When you do this, when you do the regular setup, they tell you which ones to play. Um, and then each cat has random hex tiles put underneath them. And those are the patterns that draw the cats to the quilts. So if you have, depending on the number on the cats, it's two, like I think the starting ones is two, three, or four. If you have two matching of one of the two, Hex tiles underneath the two cat, you'll get two points and they'll come to your quilt, etc. etc. Uh it was pretty fun. I think it took it, it took a little to get the it's a Kickstarter game, so the instructions kind of reflect um the wove the woes of Kickstarter instruction manuals. And, and in fact I didn't even mention it. My wife was mentioning how like the instructions didn't seem very well written, and I agreed. So once we get through that part, um, I played pretty pretty quickly and pretty fun. Uh, I would say it's a pretty easy recommendation. I don't know what MSRP is uh, currently, but I would say it's a good $40 game. I don't know that I pay more than that. So if you can get in score for $30, $40, bucks, uh, it would be a good, good grab, especially if you like cats and um, uh, tile drafting games. Uh, I will say, Josh, you nailed that pretty pretty spot on. Now the AEG version of Calico. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, um, is uh, forty bucks is retail. Okay, okay, that's a good price. That's a good price for that. And game. You can you can get it on Amazon for thirty six twenty nine right now. There you go, great deal. Uh, okay, my homework game. Let's talk about that because you're probably, you're talking about your homework game in your thing, right? Sounds good. All right. Yeah. So you told me I need to play the demo for Voice of Cards, Isle Dragon Roars, which is uh the the title of this game truly only and fully describes how the demo ends. And that's it. Uh I did play to completion of the demo. Uh, I did I know I did briefly talk about it last week. Uh I would say this is what I'll say about this game. A lot of great ideas that are better implemented in Hand of Fate one and two, and it's pretty boring. Um, oh, the narrator does not. He reads things like a knight stumbles into the throne room, exhausted and scared, and then he reads what the knight says, and he'd be like. Oh, hi, guys. I just came in from outside and there's a dragon. I'm like, why did you just read that he's exhausted? And then monotonely, like, everything, the narrator has a good voice at the beginning. And then you realize he doesn't change his tone for any of the narration. (laughs) Okay. So it's very annoying. (laughs) Um, There's no excitement. There's no embellishment or enthusiasm it's just like i was hired to read this page and i'm gonna read it (laughs) and i'll use my cool voice because that's why they hired me but i'm not right 
kind of go, there's a dragon. And he's like, no, I'm just going to be like, uh, he comes in exasperated. There's a dragon outside. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the exploration is interesting. It gets a little old also because you're kind of moving upon uh, across these cards. And they mm-hmm. have they have fine sound effects as you move, but really the the navigation it's just tedious, and you do get the random encounter battles. Um, but sometimes you're just trying to flip over a card because you don't flip it over till you walk over the card. Um, and um, the fights are fine. It takes a little too long for my liking to load basically two cards that you're going to fight uh, mm-hmm. in the battle. Um, I would say that the card, the card battling element shines a little bit. Like it has that RPG element where you have available cards, which are your either spells or attacks and you can use gems to use powered up abilities, uh, or take a rest to get more gems. So there's more variety in the battle, but you're still just battling your cards versus someone else's cards. And then in the middle of this demo, they introduce you to a kid who wants to play a card game against you in a card. So it's like, okay, great. What am I playing? Am I playing? I'm playing a card game in a card game, and it's about cards. So it's different from playing Gwent in Witcher or like poker in Red Dead. It's like you're just playing more cards in a in a card battle game. Um, so it's fine. I, it's not it didn't win me over <laughs> um but it's fine i mean if if people okay. aren't sick of i know some people donnie who's sick of the cards already um this isn't going to win people like that over uh i would say hand of fate hand of fate 2 probably is more well polished because at least in hand of fate you when you do combat it actually puts you into a third person combat scenario so you actually feel like you're doing more work, and like you, when you get a new sword or a new shield or an axe, you get to use it in battle, which feels better to me. But that could just be me as well. Uh, okay, and then gotcha. the last game I've been playing. Uh, is Far Cry Six? No surprise to anyone, I don't think. Wait, what? You're playing Far Cry Six? I'm playing Far Cry 6. Okay. That is the title ever, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm playing Far Cry 6. And what do I want to say? It it starts very similar to Far Cry 5 in regards to you're on an isolated part of the game. You're in an isolated part of the game. I think that Far Cry 6 makes this feel a bit bigger than Far Cry 5. And it's also for me, a little claustrophobic. Um, not in a bad way, but just like, I just feel very surrounded. Um, and I also have never been to a tropical location because I've only played Far Cry 5. <laughs> so it was nice to see like the the range, but a lot of Far Cry 6, and I'm sure this is done by design, um, puts you in the jungles. It, it puts you in tobacco fields, which I don't know that I've ever played a game that utilizes obstacles so well because I'm trying to like take out a compound and there's like, I don't know, 15 bad guys in the tobacco fields and you can't see anything. You can hear them, 
but they also can't see you. I think they did a very good job with that. So it's just as hard for them to find you as it is for you to find them in those spots. So I was able to eventually like sneak up on people the way that they had been doing it to me. But um, that first island area you're in in Far Cry 6 feels um, very familiar, but also while also being very different. Um, I think the guns feel different enough. Mm hmm that I'm still kind of struggling to find a good, like, I don't think they're bad guns, but I haven't found like my gun yet. Like I had in Far Cry five, like, um, so I'm enjoying trying the new things and, uh, they definitely, they, they totally reworked the level up system, Mm -hmm. which it's growing on me. I didn't love it right away. I kind of preferred the Far Cry five system because I don't feel like I'm doing as much, when I get to a workbench, like I already have my guns fitted with the mods that I can. Right. So I don't really feel like I'm progressing. And I know it's just the first area. Like I shouldn't be progressing too much, but I don't feel like I'm seeing like what I saw where I had the character development and buying new guns. This time you're just really upgrading your, your weapons. Have you left the first Island yet? I have left the first island, but not okay. too much past that. Um, and I'm I'm sure it opens up. I, I like I have confidence that it does. I don't know if the level up stuff is going to change, but I don't see why it couldn't. I also don't like how they added your vehicles to your weapon wheel. Mm-hmm. So like you can call like your truck or a horse or not your horse. You can call your truck on the bottom, uh, which is nice. Uh, I like the repair thing. It seems to be a bit more streamlined from the first game. Um, And I like the story so far. It's an interesting story. It's compelling. I like the character we're playing. I chose female Danny um, instead of male Danny. And I haven't seen too much of um, um, Giancarlo Esposito's character, but I do know that from what I've seen so far, he's going to be a good bad guy based on how bad he is. <laughs> <laughs> like, I anticipate crazy stuff. And then I got my first peek of, like, what I have to imagine was, like, a, one of his, like, admirals or mini-boss mini, mini boss bosses or whatever. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I'm liking it so far. The um, the Supremos are something I have to get used to uh, because yeah. I always forget that I have it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I definitely okay. could be taking advantage of it more. Um, but it's still challenging. It's still difficult, which I like. Uh, what do you think? Because this is well, because I'm done talking, and you have Far Cry on your games, and I really want to know how Far Cry Six is treating you. Yeah. So so far, uh, I would say I like it so far. Uh, there are I do have some nits to pick, but overall, uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I did go in. What my biggest nit right now is picking stuff up in the game. You have to like be eating it. Like you have to be right, right on, on top, top of, of it. it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I actually went in and like turned on the highlighting and made it like a really obnoxious color. So I do appreciate oh. the fact that they are incorporating all of these accessibility options because now it's just like as soon as I walk into a building, I can easily see like where all the pickup stuff is. <laughs> um, which I really I do appreciate that you know you have these accessibility options that just make the game, especially a game like this easier to play right like i come in i'm like oh shoot where's the stuff and now it's just obnoxiously outlined in pink <laughs> so it's very easy to find everything which nice. is nice I, I do like that um 
the one thing I can't get over, and I understand why it's this way, and I, I like literally was Googling it because like, maybe I'm doing it wrong. The part I don't like, and this is just like the completionist part of me, is that when you like take over like an enemy base or whatever, or stay as red. Yes, why does it do that? <laughs> yeah, I hate it because I don't feel and like I, I took like it such over. A little, I, I know it's such a little thing, and I shouldn't care. But I look at the map and I'm like, oh, I don't look like I've done anything. Yes, all these areas are still red, and I like I said, I, and I know that's like a little thing, but like the actual act of playing the game, I do enjoy so far. Um, I agree with you. The upgrade system is a little bit. I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, and that's probably more on me as a player because when I get to the workbench, I see how many guns are available and I see that I have like three of them. So I'm like, well, I don't want to upgrade these because clearly I'm going to get better guns. So then I just don't do anything. You know, so that's kind of like the the one thing that I, I don't I really haven't been investing in mods and all those other things because I just assume that I'm going to get a better gun at some point here and then that's the one I'm going to want to upgrade not this piece of crap one that I have right now yeah um and maybe they get give you enough stuff where I can do this one and the next one but because of how I've always played video games that's not what I do I wait until you know like I don't want to invest in this thing that I'm not going to be using in an hour you know so they even made the fishing harder that is what's that they even made the fishing harder yeah, fishing's super hard I'm now. like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Just so, give me that fish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, excuse me. There are some things, you know, like getting into like battles, especially when they have like tanks and things like that. Or like you'll be going to do this really simple thing and then a tank happens to show up and you're like, what's going on? I haven't gotten there. That sounds exciting. Yeah. I. So that's... You know, I'm just trying to like go find this cache, and then all of a sudden there's like a tank just rolling on by, and then they start shooting at some of my, you know, other people. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna like put my gun away and just act like I'm not part just of this. Casually <laughs> walk past them, <laughs> walk away. You know, it's fine. Um, but overall, I am enjoying it. You know, the the Far Cry is is Far Cry. It, it always has, you know, what especially as of lately, what is trying to be a, a serious story in a in a crazy world. Uh, and if you're cool with that, like, I, I think you're going to like this. I know. And one thing that I had originally put as part of the pregame, but then I changed the topic was, you know, Far Cry was getting, there was a lot of articles about Far Cry or some articles, I at least should say about Far Cry, about how people were fed up with it, that this was, you know, another copy and paste and that, um, you know, they just couldn't do another game like this. And, you know, there are some people who feel that, you know, Far Cry is being unfairly, um, picked on I, I guess or singled out I should say not picked on singled out in this that there are a lot of games that that do the same thing every year um and for me like if you like Far Cry stuff you're gonna like this Far Cry if you don't like Far Cry stuff you're not gonna like this Far Cry right and to me that's totally okay you know um the one thing I will say is from a performance standpoint I'm having far fewer issues than I had with Far Cry 5 and I recognize that I was the outlier in Far Cry 5 and that impacted my enjoyment of the game um but it, I've had no issues in Far Cry 6 as from a technical standpoint I haven't had any glitches or bugs or crashes or anything like that the only thing that happened that was super annoying is um in one of these situations have you done any of the intercept the sorry if this is a spoiler it's just a type of mission but where you have to intercept like the package no no care package okay so basically you can go to these spots and they're like oh look there's this care package you have you can go intercept and then a timer comes on the screen i hate timers um and you have to like travel to the location and then if you get there within the timer you can steal the supplies you know from the army right 
Well, when I was doing this one time, um, I got there, and this was one of the th- situations where crazy Far Cry stuff was happening, that I got in the shootout <laughs> yeah. to like get the stuff, but then a tank came, and then a helicopter came, and what I thought was going to be this very simple shootout uh, resulted in me dying. And I was like, dang it. Because I usually don't die all that often in these games, but I died this time. So then I respawned, but when I respawned, the mission like wasn't even in progress. Ugh. So I had to go back to where the beginning was to like restart the thing. Yeah. But I spawned at where the resources were. And it literally was like a three minute drive was where like the where's the place where you have to like start it. Yeah. So I had to go all the way back <laughs> to, yeah, place to then start the timer to drive all the way back again to do it all over again. And that was a little bit annoying. But like I said, it overall, I'm enjoying the game. I'm having a good time with it. Um, I do really like the flexibility of kind of you get into an area and it's like, hey, here's like, you know, the golden path. Here's the mission you can go do if you want to or don't go do this other stuff if you want to, too. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, I Like I said, the the biggest annoyances, though, picking stuff up. And I wish when I cleared an area, the red parts of the map went away. Those are like the two yeah. things that I just wish they would change. There's a small thing I like. Uh, when you enter an area and it has water if your crocodile's with you he just goes into the water on his own and sits there and waits like oh. it's really cool because i'm I just a small little detail but i remember going somewhere with water and i was like standing on a bridge or something and looking at like an encampment and i looked to my left and my alligator is just or crocodile whatever he is uh, just in the water with his eyes poking out just swimming idly waiting and I like that's so cool. Oh. Such a small detail. Uh, yeah, actually, and the animals, if there are your um, companions, uh, if there is, if they're on fire and there's water, they'll put themselves out. Smart. They'll like roll in the water. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. So cool. But yeah, so that's Far Cry Six. Uh, we'll continue to play it. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, enjoying it, having a good time. So. Uh, with that, the other games I've been playing, uh, Life is Strange: True Colors, just kind of still working on that. Uh, I will say that I've only finished the first chapter. And kind of what I anticipated was going to happen in the first chapter did happen, but not at all in the way I anticipated it was going to. Oh. So now I'm way more intrigued to keep playing. Nice. Because I was like, oh, like I, I kind of feel like I see where this is going. But how it gets there, you know, sometimes being a little spoiled about what might happen uh, doesn't always explain the how you get there part. And the how part was something that was, caught me off guard. Um, so now I'm really excited to keep playing it, but there's just too many other things to play right now. So it's going to just chill out for a bit. Um, and I'll go back to it probably, like I said, before I finish Far Cry 6, but I'm sure one night I'll just be in the mood and I'll sit down and just kind of play a chapter two of that, but really enjoying it. Definitely still recommend it. Um, the other video game I have been <clears> playing <throat> then is I decided to go this is and up and boot up that new Nintendo release, Metroid Dread. Now, I am not a huge Metroid person. I, I have dabbled in Metroid in the past, uh, but I have never been super into Metroid games. But I like, well, I shouldn't say Metroid specifically. I like Metroidvanias, like that genre of game I enjoy. But I've never been super into Metroid. Um, but it seemed cool. People were really high on it. The reviews were really positive. So I said, you know what? What the heck? We'll give this a shot. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. Uh, and I'm not super, super far into it. Um but so far, so good, I will say. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, I will say that the controls of this game are really, really nice, uh, especially for 
how for me still frustrating the joy cons can be i think this game controls really well almost always the game does what i intend it for it to do um the only difference would be that there's sometimes your ability to stand still and hold down l and then you can kind of like aim like where you want to go and that on joy cons to me still just a little wonky um and there's some situations where that you have to hold on like three buttons at the same time to do things um And that's just a little annoying to me sometimes, um, but it works. Like once you get the the hang of it, um, it, it all works well. I, I do think this would be a game that would be really hard to like put down and come back two weeks later because there are so many like hold these three buttons or do this thing that I think it'd be a little tough to do that. Uh, the one thing I will say about this is that this game hasn't incorporated all of the new things that you see in metroidvanias these days but i think that's okay because i think this very much is a metroid game from what i know of metroid um and that you know there are some things sometimes the exploration in it is not there was one part where i was a little lost and the answer was like well just shoot this wall (laughs) <laughs> I was like, well, okay, I, cool. I mean, I eventually figured it out, but uh, I, I wish I would have figured it out sooner. And sometimes when they want you to shoot the wall, it's very clear that there's like, oh, look, this is a different color. In this case, it was not very clear <laughs> about whether that I need to shoot this wall, but I eventually figured it out. Uh, the biggest drawback, I will say, that I'm having with this game right now is that there, I don't know how familiar you are with the game, Josh, but there's these robots encounters that you have called with what... They're called Emmys, and you have to basically run away from them. You cannot really kill them until a certain thing happens, and then you have potentially a chance to. But for the most part, when you get into their sectors, you just have to run away and get away from them. Well, you have to go into these sectors to like kind of get to the next parts you need to get to. And I recognize that this is probably just good game design, but every single time I've gotten to those or gone through those, and I get to a place, and I'm like, well, I feel like this is, I, I think, where I'm supposed to go. I always, it always just feels like luck that I got there. Yeah. It never feels like I made a right decision or I did this thing. Like I just ran frantically and happened to show right, like end up in the right place. Now I get when I say that, it's like, well, yeah, obviously that's just really good game design. And it probably is. It just doesn't feel that way to me. Like I literally am like, I was frantically running away and I luckily got to the right spot. Right. Right. You know? So that's the only like drawback for me right now is that I do things that end up being the right thing, but it doesn't feel like it was intentional. It feels like, oh, that just happened to conveniently work out the way it was supposed to. Um, and like I said, I understand that somebody's probably talking to the radio right now and been like, no, dummy, that's they designed it that way. <laughs> I I get that. It just doesn't feel that way while I'm playing it. But I, I am looking forward to keep playing it. The more I play it, the more I like it. Um, because you continue to unlock new powers and new abilities and new ways to interact with the world, as you always do in these games. Um, so the more I am playing it, um, the more I am enjoying it. So Metroid Dread, uh, if you like Metroid games especially, definitely give it a whirl. Um, if you have only played the most you know, recent uh, of the, Met- the Metroidvania-style games, this might feel a little old school to you, um, but hey, it'll help you understand maybe a little bit of the roots of, of these games. Finally then, Josh, my homework game. You gave me the homework two weeks ago that I had to play the old legendary Marvel edition, um, which I always think it's interesting that it's uh, technically legendary, a Marvel deck building game. I think it's a technical name. Um that the legendary system, you know, has been uh, applied to and, and pasted on to, to many other games, or there are many different IPs in the legendary world. But this is, 
I think the first one, um, and the one that really took off. I mean, it was a really popular game. It came back out back in 2012, um, and really has been kind of a held up as a really great cooperative deck building game. But you know, Josh, you, you wanted to see if you know has time passed this game by. Is this still a game that I, I really want to play? Um, Josh, we're gonna have a little bit of story time. Is that cool? I love story time. <laughs> Listener, I, I promise this is going to be so exciting and so engaging. Here we go. Are you going to read the rule book? Mastermind and scheme. <laughs> Pick one mastermind at random. Put the mastermind card face up on the mastermind space on the board. Take the four mastermind tactics cards that match the mastermind you selected. Put them underneath the mastermind card face down in random order. Pick one scheme card at random. Put it face up in the scheme space on the board. Each scheme card has a setup section. Follow that setup instruction for that scheme now. A scheme card setup section always tells you how many scheme twist cards to put into the villain deck. Put that many scheme twist cards into the villain deck space to start the villain deck. Many schemes also have unique special rules. This is good and off to a great start, isn't it? Add five uh, villain deck. Add five master strike cards to the villain deck. Now add a villain groups to the villain deck. A villain group is a group of eight villain cards that work together, like Hydra or Scrolls. Each villain card lists its villain group under its card name. The more players you have in the game, the more villain groups you use, as shown in this table. To add villain groups, each mastermind card always <laughs> always says that mastermind always leads a particular villain group or henchman group. Be sure to include this group at, <laughs> as one of the groups you add to the villain deck. Pick the other villain groups at random. For each villain group you pick, add all eight villain cards from that villain group to the deck, and you get my point. <laughs> this is only a very small part of the setup, Josh. A very, very small part of the setup. Because uh, then you get rules about how to add henchmen groups and how to add bystanders. And then we haven't even talked about the hero decks and how you're going to pick out what heroes you're playing and how you're going to add all of them to the game. And, of Correct. course, Josh, everything is at random. Random. If, yeah, if you choose. <laughs> anyway, so, Josh, I <laughs> took this game out. And started setting it up. And as I was setting it up, I remembered why I don't play Marvel Legendary anymore. Um, I did play it. We did, we did play it once. <laughs> and that doesn't seem quite like it's worth the time investment. Sure. Here's what I can say. Marvel Legendary is still a very fun game. That the interaction you have of like the villain entering the city, um, potentially making their attack, you having to decide how you want to attack that villain, how you're going to space out kind of managing all of your resources, what's going to happen if you let that villain escape, um, you know, what's going to happen with the schemes as far as managing all those things. Like all of these things are interesting, thoughtful, fun dynamics. The problem is, Josh, is that this game is so fiddly to set up. It is just so remarkably fiddly. And that as you're going through, like, it's none of the, nothing that they do is super complicated once it's all put together and set up and you go. You're just like, oh, you just go. You put this thing out. You do this thing. Do exactly, just do what the cards say. Once you have it all set up, just do what the cards say. But getting to that point is pretty laborious. And I, I just have a really, really hard time, um, recommending this game to people at this point i it's still fun it's still a a a good deck building game especially if you're looking for uh a cooperative deck building game and if you're a fan of marvel or something like that i i think it definitely has its merits but goodness gracious you know the setup of this game is just something else and the weight of the game uh, on board game geek is a 2.44 
and I think that the wait for that is really just because of the setup. Like, I don't think yeah. it's like once you get the game set up, like there are interesting decisions to make and you have to be a little bit thoughtful, but I don't think it's all that complicated once you get there. I, th- I think the bulk of the complication is making sure you have set the game up properly and that once that becomes such a steep hill, the payoff has to be so good to make it the investment worth it, you know? Um, so the other thing that's interesting, I don't really know if I, I mean, I know I played with some of the expansions cause like there are a whole bunch of them are just in the main box, but I don't really remember like who the main, like the original like heroes just in the game were. Wolverine, um, um Cyclops, Jean Grey. Cause there's 15 in, uh, in the, in the original game. Yeah, I think it's it's mostly Avengers and X Men, uh, Captain America. Um, there's a bunch. There's over twenty five expansions from Marvel. I Legendary. know it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, I don't know. I uh, if you are really into Marvel and are looking for that cooperative deck building game, I, I like I said, I do think it has its merits. You just really, really have to be okay with the setup, and then. Because once you have it set up, too, it's like the storage of it as well, because you have to keep everything separate, like all of the villain cards, all of the schemes, all of the heroes. Everything has to be like taken back apart, resorted into its piles and then put away. So it's not just the setup. It's keeping it's the setup. It's a takedown and ensuring that you're keeping every little part of the game separate until you put it all together, then to separate it all again. And it's just. Uh, it's a big ask. I, I think if you have somebody who loves it and is willing to do that, great. Um, so if you can play this game at someone else's house and they set it up before you <laughs> get there, yes, I think I, I would still recommend it. If you are the person who is thinking about picking up this game, uh, I, I just know that you you have a quite a task ahead of you. Um, it, it, it would be quite a while again, I think, until I pull this game out and play it. They released four expansions for just this year. Are you serious? And one hasn't come out yet. Uh, another Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's Marvel Studios Guardians oh. of the Galaxy. Uh, so, because I was like, wait a second, I had the Guardians of the Galaxy from like the first three years that it came out, I think. Uh, so, yeah, yep. Uh, four came out this year uh, alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the original 15 heroes, Josh, since I found mm. the list here quick. Uh, Gambit, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Emma Frost, Thor, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Storm, Captain America, Nick Fury, Rogue, Cyclops, Hulk, Wolverine, and Deadpool. There you go. And then and then I think they have uh, like an individual Deadpool expansion. Yes, they, they do. Have, yeah. I mean, they have actually expansions for most of these things. There's like an sp- individual Spider-Man expansion. Yeah. There's a whole bunch yeah. of them. I think the Fantastic Four one and the Spider-Man one are two of the best ones that I have. Um, but there's a lot. There there are so many expansions for this game. So yeah, if you like also spending money on things, um, this would probably be a good <laughs> a good game to get into it, uh, if you wanted to. If you want on Mercari, you can get Marvel Legendary with 14 expansions for only $800. Well, there you go. <laughs> only 800 bucks. Oh, goodness gracious. So, cool. All right, Josh, so there we go. I played Marvel Legendary, and now we'll put it back on my shelf for another six years until I play it again, probably. So, cool. All right, well, with that, Josh, we'll move on to, you know, getting through our topics of the show here. So, what's your first topic this week? 
Hey, uh, we got another video game adapting to the board game world. Uh, this one, however, could lose you friends, uh, or at least potentially some respect uh, from your friends. Controversial uh, borrowing using reading from dicebreaker.com. Uh, controversial party game, Awkward. It's called Awkward. It's the first tabletop release from Buzz and the Family Feud developers. So they did some... I don't know if you remember Buzz on the PlayStation 2, um, which had like a like a weird game show host, and they came with like the Buzz pads. Oh, yeah. Uh, I do, that, that game was really fun. Yeah, I had fun with it. Uh, uh, I got it for free at a Best Buy event. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's called Awkward. It's a controversial party game, which is its subtitle. Uh, it's on Kickstarter currently. It looks like there's some expansions with it as well. Um, but it released as a video game, actually, in 2018. Um, and it prides or calls itself the controversial party quiz because players take uh, in turn to answer questions aimed at splitting opinion um, with the rest of the group trying to predict what they say. So here's the example that is just highlighted on the YouTube stream. Um, now you're kind of, it's, you're kind of, uh, cards against humanity in it, where you're trying to get guess what people guess, guessed or answered, but the like the doc says, choose your answer. If you could only save the life of one, would you choose a one year old or an eighteen year old? That sounds like fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then good. everyone has to decide what they would do. I can't imagine it going poorly. Um, but yeah, so the game the game essentially sticks to the to presenting a question with two uh, answers. The person who reads the question must secretly choose their response while everyone else attempts to guess what they will say. Anyone who guesses correctly scores a wick point with 10 winning the game. Now, I prefer the game of things. And I haven't played this game yet, but I love the game of things. Very underrated party game. Um, Prompts tend to steer uh, along the slightly uncomfortable in conversation stirring without appearing to veer into the fully offensive territory I like Cards Against Humanity. Uh, but yeah, examples include asking whether uh, you'd rather accidentally set fire to your own house or the home of your best friend, whether you've ever found a parent of a friend uh, attractive, or who in your group looks at uh, adult um, websites more often <laughs> or videos. Um, but some questions do lean into the more serious and potentially triggering discussions, such as whether... Are you reading this with me? Because I don't want to read this. Such as whether... Um, uh, whatever. Such as whether pedophiles should be punished more harshly than murderers. What a fun conversation. So we're sitting across from each other. <laughs> and then uh, I'm like, okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna write my answer down. And let's say I'm an insane person. And I say, like, no. And then everyone is like, uh, or I say yes, or whatever the case. Uh, and then everyone else answers, everyone else answers the other way that I do. <laughs> and then they go, okay, well, why don't you tell us uh, why you have a soft spot for pedophiles? <laughs> You're right. Like, uh. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so uh, it seems uh, pretty uh, tense. Uh, there's 300 plus cards. Uh, I will say this. <laughs> Uh, it is about, about halfway to its goal. There's still almost a month left. But if you pledge, I thought it was interesting. If you pledge the 
$30, was it the $30 one? If you pledge a $30 pledge, or £30, or $41, you get you get the game, but you also get a Steam code for their digital game, um, as well as a printable PDF or mini game. Uh, a thanks in the leaflet and a thank you on their website. So at least there's uh, seems to be value in that if this is something uh, dear listener that you think you might be interested in. Kyle, do you think this is more or less troubling than Cards Against Humanity? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I think it is from what it looks like the questions are i think it is less like quote unquote bad compared to cards against humanity as far as what the potential like outcomes because obviously with cards against humanity you can create absolutely ridiculous combinations right yeah. however i think you know in cards against humanity you can be like well that was funny haha whatever yeah but in this like i think you're gonna have way more like awkward moments than you would and probably fitting that the game's called awkward because it it just the whole point of this is to make you cringe while you're sitting with your friends and does that sound fun josh like is that something that you're like excited to go do of like hey we're gonna have real awkward conversations about the way i and you feel about things that might be super super personal yeah about you know that's just so yeah i don't know well i get i get a i get the resolution to your problem they have um different rules that come with the game there is a variant called happy couples where you just play with your your partner and you just answer the questions to each other I don't think that's going to equal a happy couple, Josh. No, I don't think it sounds horrible. <laughs> There's also a take a shot one. If you don't match with the judge answered, you have to take a, a drink. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I thought it would be worth pointing out. There's also the Lovers expansion pack. That can't uh, all be is good, fair, Josh. love, and awkward. Now you can play the controversial card game with your bae, <laughs> answering the most intimate questions that only your significant other should ever know to answer. 125 questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I thought I would, I thought I do think this is unique enough to warrant us talking about it. I do think this separates itself enough from a Cards Against Humanity kind of game. I also think. It is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> right. Like just Josh, the question. Would you prefer to accidentally set fire to your own house or to your best friend's house? When is the answer to that ever your best friend's house? Oh, I would accidentally rather start someone else's house on fire? Really? Accidentally. You don't accidentally. that means you don't choose. It's an accident. Otherwise, now you're purposely doing it. <laughs> well, right. But if I accidentally... I found a flaw in that card. <laughs> right. I accidentally set someone's house on fire. Would I rather have it be my house or someone else's house? I mean, well, someone else's house. Because then... <laughs> I still have somewhere to live. <laughs> and you know you don't truly believe that. No, I don't believe that. But I wouldn't choose my own house. <laughs> How about what is more off limits as a date? Ex, uh, best friend's ex or ex's best friend? <laughs> That's a little more tame. But still, not optimal. (laughs) 
ex's best friend, right? Because you're not friends with that ex anymore. But then if they're your ex's best friend, you're going to see your ex all the time. Look at I'm already selling myself on playing this game. <laughs> I know you are. You are. I don't want to play yourself. this game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I do think that this is another one of those games too that the the group of people you play with would really really matter. But I think this could much more than other games result in in uh not great situations for you so yes agreed agreed so you're not backing this one <laughs> i am not backing this okay. one are you saying is are you saying you're not backing it as well josh that's correct but it exists everyone if you want to either play the vi- the the digital game on steam or get the board game it's called awkward a controversial party game <laughs> and controversial it is all right, Josh. So my first story comes from the folks over at Dicebreaker, and it is an announcement that was originally announced by the publisher themselves. But Root and Oath Creator announces story-driven sci-fi board game Arcs Collapse and Conflict in the Void. So designer Cole Worley and artist Kyle Farron and publisher Leader Games plans for a Kickstarter in 2022. So again, this is from Matt Jarvis over at Dicebreaker. Um, and really just kind of laying out that, you know, this game is being worked on and they've announced that it's coming, um, leader games, you know, root oath, both games that people really, really like, uh, leader games in general, their games also have fort, um, and vast crystal caverns, you know, are, are games that they have published in general. People seem to really enjoy their games. Um, one thing that has, can be said about their games for the most part though, is that they tend to be more complex than your average bear. They they tend to have a lot of moving parts. They tend to be very asymmetrical so that, you know, every time you play it, if you play as a different character, you literally have, you know, in the case of Root, completely different rules for the for the characters that you're playing as. Um, but designer Cole Whirly has come out and said that this is his most simple design. That this is going to be the most straightforward and the most accessible game, uh, accessible game that he has made. Um, so, Josh, what are your thoughts on this new game coming from the folks over at Leader? Are you excited about this? Uh, any desire to jump in and play? What are your thoughts on, you know, a game we don't do too much about right now, uh, Arcs, Collapse and Conflict in the Void? Uh, I hope they change the name. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm excited to a degree. Um, I had Oath in my hands yesterday, and I almost got it. Um, but. They do games that I know I don't have time to play. Yeah. Which is the biggest struggle for me. In fact, uh, Root coming to Steam was great because I actually finally got to play Root. I had to play it by myself mostly, but I know there's people who listen that have it that we just need to to get together and play it. But I was able I was happy I was able to do that. Oath seems really cool. I do have Fort. We just haven't played it yet. I saw there's an expansion called like Puppies and Kittens for Fort. Yep. Um, so this sounds really cool. I'm reading about like saying, uh, I mean, the downside, right? That says the tighter narrative focus of arcs means that the same group of players, um, the game supports either three or four people must be present for a whole campaign, which I get that idea. Like you want to do that, but I keep thinking for me, we get Gloomhaven. That's a game where still, we're still struggling to consistently play. We started Forbidden Waters, which I don't know if we'll ever get to finish. I still have uh, Vindication from William here that I got to play. We yeah. have the we have the sequel coming that we kickstarted to play. 
Um, Frosthaven is probably a year away, <laughs> but that's coming. Uh, there's so many games. I still have Betrayal Legacy. I haven't even started. Like, there's so many games like this that I want to have that time to play. And short of me winning the lottery and also paying everyone else's salaries to play with me, <laughs> I don't know that I'll be able to get all of these. Um, and King's Dilemma is another game. Um, yeah. All these games that I want to play that are campaign games. I love the fact that these exist. I really do, because there's so many options. If if you haven't played any campaign games and you really just wanted to sit down and write a list of campaign games and pick two, one or two that you can play, th- there's 25 games you can choose from. That's great. Yeah. It might not sound like a lot, but for where we were four years ago, it's from zero to 25. So, Josh, these games, um, and I think it's an important thing to note here in the Dicebreaker interview, uh, it says, quote, the tighter narrative focus of ARCs means that the same group of players, the game specifically supports either three or four people, must be present for the whole of a campaign. A complete campaign is estimated to last between three and five hours with the option to save the group's progress in between individual episodes. So three to five hours, same group of people, but it has to be three or four people. Yeah. Which again, for me, is an immediate turnoff when you when you hit that three being that magic number. Again, if that's what the game needs to be good, do that. Don't, you know, remove things to to remove the quality of the game so that you can play it. But that just for me makes it much more challenging. When you look at these these style of games, these campaign games, these narrative focused games that have these you know long drawn out um, opportunities for for play with groups of people, do you think part of the reason that they review so well is because game reviewers actually can do those things? Right, like they can sit down and actually have a group of people and play through these campaigns because most game review sites and things like that are a few people who all work together on like kind of working through those things. Do you think that's part of the reason that these games re- review so well is because they're really cool opportunities for them all to play things together that they can kind of build up over time rather than, hey, we have to play this game for review. So we'll play it, pick it up, play it again, pick it up, play it up, pick it again, where you play the same game, basically, right? you know, three, four, five times to get your feeling for it. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, if you have that ability, I know there's people like um, um, Shut Up and Sit Down who couldn't even do that during the pandemic. And that's like their bread and butter is their yeah. comedy reviews and them interacting with each other. So um, I know that that's changed too, but yeah, I also think we're kind of in the situation we talked about Far Cry 6 earlier. You also shouldn't be reviewing this game, these types of games, if you can't play with multiple people. Um, in the same way as if you shouldn't really be reviewing a Far Cry if you hated all the Far Cries before. <laughs> Maybe find the right person to review that game. They don't need to be like... Um, unbiased but they can't come in with a specific bias right and i think it's the same with these types of games where um we would be the two worst people to review any game that has a three plus player count doesn't mean we won't enjoy the game um but we shouldn't like unless we have the accessibility to do that uh you know even games like stonemire games who like let you add automata Two games, I don't know that that's the way that the game was designed to play. 
per right. se. It is it is an additive in addition, not the Right. Hey, they were like, the I is. designed this game to have automata. They're like, no, I designed this game because I want this many people to play, but I also want the biggest audience I can get. So I will also make a separate thing after I'm done right. making the game. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. All right. But listener, you know, Leader Games does make excellent games. So feel free to check out, you know, the things that they do there and see if they're going to be a good fit for you. They also seem to be a pretty, you know, socially responsible company as well. So if that's something that matters to you, uh, they, they kind of seem to put their money where their mouth is. So, you know, something to check out. This is something I'll keep an eye on. But, you know, on the face of it, the the three player thing is probably going to hold me back from, a you know, kickstarting or anything like that right now. So. All right. With that, then, Josh, what is your next topic? OK. New world. New problems. I just should just write headlines and not say stories. Uh, new world launched uh, via Amazon. Uh, two weeks ago or a week ago, I think. Uh, something that happened was well, it's just kind of like any MMO when it launches that has when it has excitement about the game. There are just long, 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 long waits to get into servers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone is not familiar with how that works, it's essentially like a game like World of Warcraft or. New World, they have to host servers for people to play because it's always an online game. And they have to have servers in different parts of the world to accommodate time zones and reach from servers to where you're getting your internet and etc. So ideally, when you start a new game, you want to um, choose the closest server to you for a, be- a better paying time. Um, and what will happen is you'll go and it will say like um, 250 of 250 players. So you got to go find somewhere else. Uh, and that seemed to be a big problem, which is uh, which is actually a good thing for an MMO because it means that the player base is there. They want to play your game. They bought the game. They want to play your game. So... Uh, with this happening, Amazon had asked players to join servers with low wait times, um, as it were, to increase the pop, uh, population cap, caps of existing servers, essentially allowing you to have more um, players in each world or persistent world. Uh, but uh, they wanted to make sure that people who wanted to play with their friends uh, could still play with their friends, even if they were on maxed or high population servers. So Amazon said... It was working on a feature that would let you transfer your character to a new server for free. And typically in MMOs, you have to pay uh, either after a certain amount or sometimes right away, depending on which ones you play, to change servers. So because it it limits how much work they have to do on their end. So uh, if you decided that you wanted to play in a low-time server um, just to start leveling your characters and then eventually... Uh, you can change later. So you can be like, oh, I'm on this server, and so are the 10 of us. So they're great. So Amazon had said, quote, we know how important it is to be able to play with friends, so we're putting this feature at the top of our priority list. Um, So then the New World's Twitter um, had responded to uh, a question from uh, at Al underscore ORV. He said, will it be possible to switch from a U.S. server to EU one? And they replied, yes, you can move between regions if you want. 
Uh, and so uh, players did that. You know, they started creating characters and they were going to wait to join servers with their friends. However, on October 8th, so uh, last Friday, two couple days ago, uh, Amazon confirmed that they're delaying the server feature to next week. So the week you're hearing this uh, after an issue was discovered. But uh, the delay uh, announcement came with that delay came confirmation that when the feature launches, you'll be restricted to transferring your character to any world within your region only. Uh, so, unfortunately, what seems to have happened is some people have put in uh, lots of hours yeah, into this game with the idea that if they went to a European server, they could bring it back to the U.S. or South America or Australia. Uh, so someone said in a, in a fat FAQ on a, on a form, uh, quote, so the transfer to any server statement issued earlier was not true, and Amazon responded, unfortunately, the original information provided was incorrect. Now... That's horrible. <laughs> and this is right. a game that was like marred with delays and controversy over if this was going to even be playable or good. And they still had, I would say, a very successful launch with pretty good review scores for this game to come out to really just shoot themselves in the foot with this one. Now, I know this obviously doesn't affect every person who's playing this game, but if... Someone like literally wrote, wrote, quote, I wasted 80 hours. Yeah. And I don't, and I believe that person. If they really put that much time in, like, wow. So my question to you, Kyle, is uh, what obligation, if any, does Amazon have to these consumers? Well, Oof. And I how mean, mad would obligation. you be? <laughs> I would be super mad. Um, this is what's always very challenging with video games in the sense of, do they have an obligation? They absolutely have an obligation because people made decisions based off information you gave them. And then that information turned out to not be accurate. So you do have responsibility in that case. What's always challenging about this, though, and I am not smart enough to know how this works, that maybe there is a technical reason as to why they can't move people. Maybe it really is literally impossible. Now, that would be hard for me to believe. Maybe it's just a such a significant amount of work that the game wasn't originally provisioned for or whatever else it, it might be. Like, There's a lot of reasons it, it, it could be true, but... They need to figure something out, and I don't even know what the answer is, right? Because it's like, well, if you give people an XP boost to you know make that 80 hours, 40 hours, or 20 hours, that doesn't mean, though, that just because they get back to the XP that they were at in that time, they're not going to have all the stuff that they accumulated over 80 hours worth of work, right? Like, yeah, they get to the same level, but that doesn't mean they have all the stuff they got, especially in this game, which, from what I understand, is very, very focused on going out, collecting things, crafting things, like all of that kind of stuff. Um, there are some things that you're just only going to get at 80 hours that you're not going to have um, 
at 20 hours, even if you have increased, you know, XP. So whether it's you get four times the amount of resources when you pick things, like, I don't know. There is an obligation here. I just don't know what the fix is. And that's because I'm not smart enough to know what the fix is. What right. do you think, Josh? What, how would you handle this? Or what would you do to try to make it right if you were Amazon? I mean, if you can fix it, fix it, right? If you have a way to get this this thing you promised people, then just do it. Like, that would be the number one. It doesn't sound like that's the thing, though. I think... Uh, right, because it, it seems like it has to be that for some reason they can't do it, right? Other, yeah, otherwise they wouldn't have said that that was wrong. That you can, and then they're like, oh, shoot. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that they, they can fix it, honestly. Uh, if that's the case, you're not going to... Uh, make people happy that put in 80 hours, especially if right. they were trying to play with friends. Um, you're not going to pay for more servers just to appease people. You're already doing that just to keep your player accounts up. Right. I don't, I don't know that they can fix it. I think it's just this terrible um, mistake. And I, I guess the bigger question for me is like, who is the person who answered that? question who's your social media person uh was it a developer did they talk to the developers like is this the person that needs to take the bullet for this it's not going to make the the player base happier but you can't if someone went out and just answered that on their own you don't want them (laughs) representing your company uh based on that either so you know i just I think it's a terribly horrible thing that happened, especially for people who dedicated so much time. For me, I really feel like I would have been so hesitant to believe them, I wouldn't have done it. And I'm not saying that, <laughs> I'm not trying to victim blame the people who did it. I just think like, I'd be like, yeah, I'll, I think I'll just wait to play with Kyle and see what happens, because I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know when the game came out, it was doing obviously like because the server loads were it was obviously doing very 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 well. Do we know that it? How is it doing? You know, because we're what a week, two weeks in at this point. Do we know how well it's doing still? Uh, let's see. I'll check Metacritic right now. Metacritic New World. Oh, I was talking more about like users, like how many people are pl- actively playing. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, New World player base. Uh, there's over 1.2 million people that play per day with a total player base of 13 million. Oh, okay. 552,000. Okay. So it is still doing pretty well. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's pretty good. Well, well, we'll tracks. see if they figure something out because goodness gracious, if <laughs> they don't. Steam charts, we have, as of 44 minutes ago, there were 500,000 people playing it. Okay. And 70, uh, 24-hour peak was 726,000. So, yeah, they're doing pretty solid. Gotcha. All right. That's well, a lot of players. Else, that is a lot of players. <laughs> anything else about New World you would like to say? Uh, you know, I still think it's an interesting-looking game. Um I thought it was free to play, which really just changes my opinion on playing it. But uh, um, once it goes free to play, I'll try it. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So, uh, anyway, uh, okay. Well, with that, Josh, we're just gonna move on to homework because it's okay. already not. Yeah. You know, we're, 
We're going, we're going. So with that, you know, obviously every two weeks, Josh and I give one another homework. Uh, two weeks ago, Josh had to play Voice of Cards to Isle of Dragon Drawer, which we talked about before, and I needed to play Marvel Legendary um, and decide if, you know, we've moved past it or if I've moved past it. And I think at this point I can say I, I have moved past that game. Uh, so with that, Josh, what is your homework for me this week? Okay, well, you have a... this uh, <clears throat> House of Ashes comes out on the twenty second. Oh, is it? Is it that? So, oh my gosh! Okay. My question to you is: Do you want to try? Do we want to try to stream that the twenty second or twenty third, like the weekend it comes out? And if so, that can be your homework. Or do you want to try to stream it like on the Halloween weekend, which is the following week? So, I think maybe doing it the first weekend would be better because the Halloween weekend. We've had this conversation before, like my town picks, like sets trick-or-treating times yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So our trick-or-treating is on Saturday, even though Halloween's on Sunday. Okay, so, your homework is to play House of Ashes with me okay. before we record next. I mean, before we record in two weeks. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Not okay. next, because it won't be out next week. Well, I mean, are you? do you still want additional housework? Housework. I mean, I don't want homework. additional housework, but you can give me homework. Right. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! That's up House to you. Of ashes. I, I can, I can. Uh, I feel like I might know what you might have for me, but I'm happy to. Do oh, what do you think I have for you? Well, I'm not gonna say. This is like no. A I want you to say. Josh. I'm not gonna fall for that trick. That's like when you walk in, I walk into work, and my boss is like, "Did you forget something?" And then he asked me to name what I might have forgotten. I'm not falling for that trap. <laughs> No, this is. Oh, you um, didn't do that. Oh, you didn't do that. No, no. I, I just I thought kn- maybe I, I forgot. I know it. exactly <laughs> what your thing is, so this is why I'm asking. Well, I'll tell you if I was right. Okay. Well, this is <laughs> you know it is in uh, the spooky season situation. Okay. Um, and it is a. Oh no! I think I know what this is. Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> game on Game Pass. Yeah. <laughs> I was going uh, to try to make play you Visage. play it. Yeah. No, Josh, you get to play Visage. That's what you get to do. Great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, listeners, Visage is supposed to be an extremely scary game. That's everything. All I'm reading is that it's supposed to be very scary. Yeah, that's so, what I've been hearing. So, And you like scary, spooky things, so that seems yeah, fair, right? I do. I to a degree. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how I do with this one. Yeah. Well, I hope it's good and not just scary, if that makes sense. If it's just scary, I'll be fine. Like, I can get over that just scary stuff. I know, but I still hope it's good and scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. I thought it was going to be to play Rolling Realms. Oh, no, it was not going to. I was considering that, but I always feel bad making you play board games because I know sometimes that's challenging. (laughs) So unless you're in a situation where I feel like it's going to happen, I try not to do that. So I did consider that. That's fair. So. Awesome. All right. Well, with that, we're going to move on to recommendations. Oh, actually, just to back up really quickly. So Josh has to play in the next two weeks. Josh has to play Visage. And I need to play House of Ashes with Josh. Probably streaming it this coming weekend would be the goal. We'll keep you up to date on what's going on with that. So with that, we'll move on to recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one other thing we're currently into that's helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what's your recommendation this week? So I had a few things that I was debating on choosing i would say i probably went with a less i went with the least surprising one but um it's black widow i've had it on 4k blu-ray whatever um for a bit now we just hadn't had the time to watch it we finally did have the time to watch it and coincidentally for you listener it is now on disney plus 
included with your sub, not extra. Um, and I was really surprised by this movie. Uh, it was excellent. It actually probably is in my top five Marvel movies of all time. Uh, oh, this is a very long overdue proper Black Widow movie. We haven't really gotten this character from, and I'm not going to blame Scarlett Johansson. I'm going to say we haven't gotten this character from Marvel writers. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Black Widow has always been played up as the pretty character and doesn't do too much combat. And, and I can tell you going through the MCU films again, it's it's very obvious how much they really just leaned into her being eye candy more than anything else. Uh, she really, th- this is a, uh, I teared up watching this. I thought it was mm. uh, very well written, is incredibly well acted. There's humor, there's action. And I mean, it's everything you want and it. It's less of a superhero movie. It's more in line of like uh, Winter Soldier. It's more like a like a spy thriller than anything else with, you know, light superhero um, story, like story cues. Um, they did some twists. I don't want to spoil anything, but they changed. Um, at least one character in the MCU or, well, from the comics, which I was happy with. I thought they did a great job. Um, so yeah, I can't recommend Black Widow enough. I thought it was fantastic. Awesome. So that's Black Widow now on Disney Plus, where you don't have to pay for any extra for it if you have Disney Plus. Uh, Josh, my recommendation uh, <laughs> is this little. Have you watched this? No, I just. I think it's a documentary, right? It is a documentary. Um, there's a documentary series on Netflix called Untold. Um, and what Untold does is it tells different stories, imagine that, um, in the sports world. Uh, the specific one, though, so each of them is like a 90-minute documentary. There's, I think, four or five of them. Um, but the specific one that I am recommending is Untold Crimes and Penalties. Um, Josh, let me just read you one paragraph from Blooper.com that's talking about this documentary. Untold Crimes and Penalties is centered on the notorious hockey team, the Danbury Trashers, and their colorful history. Purchased by James Jimmy Galante, who had personal ties to the Genovese crime family that was at one point run by Charles Lucky Luciano, the hockey team was gifted to his teenage son, AJ, who took the helm as general manager. Oh, my. That's right. This is a documentary about a UHL hockey team with a 17-year-old president and general manager who the team was purchased by and founded by a member of the mob. In Danbury, Connecticut? Is it Connecticut? In Danbury, Connecticut. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Josh, this documentary is incredible. It's <laughs> so, so good. Even if you don't like hockey, like every single person they talk to, you know, the risk when you do a documentary is like even if the story is really interesting, the people that you have to talk to about it might be just wet blankets, right? Yeah, they might be yeah. super boring. They might not be have a lot of personality. Every single person in this documentary is like the biggest character you can possibly imagine. It is just <laughs> absolutely mind blowing, and like it just oh my gosh! As you go through, you're like this dude is like a mobster, but he's like just like out here talking and telling his story about what happened and they, like. 
they get a whole bunch of the players to interview the president the the guy who ever ran ran the uhl is in it um you know aj is in it as is his dad like they're all like everyone is in it and they're just telling the story about the creation of this hockey team and everything surrounding <laughs> it it is fascinating it's absolutely fascinating so even if you don't watch the rest of the series that's totally fine but untold crimes and penalties about the danbury trashers uh it's on netflix check it out nice josh what do you say we wrap this show up thank you for joining us everyone in addition to finding us on twitter and instagram at board with fiji you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash board with fiji so feel free to give us a five-star rating over there also if you want to communicate in the more long form or you just not feeling social media please feel free to email us at board with fiji at gmail.com and we tag all of our stuff with hashtag bored with VG. So please feel free to use that hashtag as well so we can see what you're up to. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone Bored with Video Games feed. Uh, yeah, what do I want to plug? You can find me at Why So Serious. Uh, S-I-R-R-I-U-S on Xbox Live, Steam, PlayStation Network, uh, and uh, whatever else I have to use a username for. Uh, Kyle, where can people find you? Uh, so you can find me on all the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have any suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.